Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, I went to see Van Halen yesterday. I went to Hollywood Boulevard. And it's weird because I've never gone to one of these events that's free for Jimmy Kimmel. And I stood forever. Okay, I got there at like 1.30 or 2. And I went with my friend Jolene. She had tickets. And we waited. And you're going through this line. And of course, you always get the irritating people, like the young kids who are screaming, oh, Van Halen, they nothing about it. They're drunk. And it's like 1 in the morning, at 1 in the afternoon. And I stood there. And we waited. And we waited. And we waited. We finally got in. And the show was supposed to start at like 7. Okay. 7.30 happens. Still hasn't started. They want, they want crowd voice for uh, the, the Kimmel show, and people are just yelling, F you, giving the finger. It was getting unruly. And finally, Van Halen comes on, and David Lee Roth comes on. They start jamming Panama, and he cuts his nose on the microphone, so he has to leave, and they have to restart the whole Kimmel show. And it was bad, because I love Van Halen. I remember seeing him at the Spectrum in 1984 in Philadelphia, and... David Lee Roth sounded awful. That's all I'm gonna say. He's still he's still a showman, but he looks he he sort of looks like he looks like Robert Durst a little bit now. That's what's scary. And Van Halen, Eddie's great, but I was just watching it. And it was like all the songs sounded different, but it was good to be there and just to go see a free concert. And enough about that. Uh, we have an interesting show today. It's a different show. I have a past guest, Larry Poindexter, and I have Rebecca Metz. How are you guys doing? Good. And Good. this is the idea of the show. Now, as you people know, if you listen to Cooper Talk, I get a lot of character actors. That's, that's been what makes me happy. I watch TV. I follow up someone on Facebook. I send them a message. I send them a tweet. And... Believe it or not, a lot of these people respond to me, and it always makes me feel good. I mean, because they don't know who I am. I'm not like a name. And what I've noticed over the last year, when I've really set my concentration away from comics as the character actress is, they all have these great careers, and they work on TV, and they work hard, and they do a lot of theater. And that's the thing about LA. There's so many small theaters, and I'm gonna let them tell you about the whole the whole Prop 99. I want you to explain it because people, there's a whole thing they're gonna they're trying to take this away. And and if you're in LA, it's such a showcase. These guys can do it but there's people that this is their only showcase and we're gonna let them explain Rebecca now you you had up the the Facebook page yeah okay tell us more so what happened is there's a union called Actors Equity which is the stage actors union that a whole lot 6,000 actors in Los Angeles are members of Actors Equity and Actors Equity for 26 years I want to say we've had something exceptional in Los Angeles called the 99 seat plan that allows equity members in LA to work at these small theaters of 99 seats or fewer for small stipends, basic union protections, health and safety stuff so that we can work and collaborate and do stuff when we're not working for on camera jobs for other paying theater jobs. Equity recently said enough. We think you guys should be making more money doing this stuff and we're going to put forth a proposal to make that happen. It's, I don't know, a single actor who doesn't want to make more money, but the particular right. proposal they put forward, a lot of us think is not going to get it done. Not, not, a, well, not a well thought out series of proposals. Um, and they're basing a lot of this uh, on a survey that they gave, a poll, uh, a couple of um, town hall meetings, and some focus groups. Um, there's a historical precedence to this for for a long time prior even prior to the last 26 years there was a thing in Los Angeles called the waiver in which um, and it started with anecdotally a woman named Betty Garrett who had moved out here from from New York she was a Broadway baby there was not a lot of theater out here in the in the early 70s really only a couple places to work and she wanted to do theater so she applied for and was given what was called a waiver by the union saying you know what it's fine you're out in Los Angeles there's no theater you want to put up your own shows we don't care have a good time this went on for a number of years until the late 80s and the theater uh, the small theaters here in Los Angeles had exploded and by that time unions, the equity had gotten to the point where they're like well on the back of your card it says you can't work without a contract and we are going to enforce that at which point they came up with the 99 seat plan there was a lawsuit brought forth by union actors against their own union to prevent that plan from being enacted a settlement was reached uh, was reached and the 99 seat plan as we know it was enacted but institutionally the equity uh, Equi Actors' Equity was incredibly unhappy with this situation. This has been an ongoing problem for them for a long time because we are the only city in the country that allows actors to work for a stipend at these small, usually nonprofit theaters. I mean, there there are there are exceptions to that, but essentially we're and certainly the most theater. Um, we have grown into this kind of extraordinary community that produces work that is not being done at other lower theaters even. 
because we can use because we have this you know because everyone's contributing their own time they're they're donating their time to what's called a nonprofit they're volunteering we can use that 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 format to allow big casts long rehearsal periods that allow you to explore the material things that you don't get an opportunity to do in regular contract jobs and we've had unbelievable success with some unbelievably cool shows and now that's come that's kind of threatened by the proposals that have been put forth. Well, let me ask you now when you now when you do these productions is does everyone have to be Acres Equity or can, no. okay so now how does someone become Acres Equity is is it like SAG if some things I mean how does someone what's the well it's, it's it's like most unions you know you have to get the job in order to get a union card but you have to have a union card to get the job uh, equity has a has a actually has a, t- a plan that allows you to earn points towards getting your card for a certain number of weeks because a lot of theaters because again uh, uh, the economics of theater in Los in the country and in the world are so rough that even large-scale theaters like La Mirada and Thousand Oaks only use a handful of equity actors and equity contracts with a lot of non-equity people on the same stage. Equity allows that to happen throughout the country so they can get some members paying jobs. So you work on those non-union, you work as a non-union actor in one of those shows, you earn points and eventually you actually become an equity, uh, equity member. Now, well, can you say LA is different because it's the, uh, you know, because it's, a, there's a lot of smaller theaters, but let's say New York. Now, how does New York work when there's something off Broadway, a small theater? I mean, how does that work? And does, has that come into play at all? Because they're still doing productions, I'm guessing, and I'm guessing their theaters are still open. And so... Are, are they under the 99 seat rule or how does that work for them? No. So the 99 seat rule, the 99 seat plan only exists in Los Angeles. New York is the only other city that has an exception like this. So off Broadway theaters, Broadway, all of that stuff is on equity contracts. Um, there's something called the showcase code in New York that allows equity members to work together on a very small basis for a limited time and limited ticket prices and that kind of thing. Um, in a similar way that gives them an exception to being on standard a equity, yeah, to being on a standard equity contract. Um, one of the questions a lot of equity members have raised in Los Angeles is, why does New York get to do it if we don't? We're the second largest group of equity actors in the country. We have far fewer theaters in Los Angeles than in New York, obviously, that have equity contracts. So you've got a huge number of actors who want to be on stage, who have committed to joining a professional actor stage union, um, but there just isn't enough opportunity here. And so these small theaters are our way of practicing our craft and working together and yeah, staying I, I sharp often, and yeah. developing new work while we're hustling for the small amount of paying stage work that there is in L.A. And, and, you know, and what I always say is that you know, I sell my soul to do television and film because you're never going to be, with rare exception, do you have an, a satisfactory job that really fulfills you on film and television. You know, occasionally, you know, maybe every once in a while you get that great guest star, you'll get a small movie and you'll get to explore. But theater is really the actor's medium. So I sell my soul to do that and then I reclaim my soul by volunteering my time in small theaters where I get to do classics, really difficult stuff. You know, I got to do Night of the Iguana. You know, it hadn't been done in Los Angeles in 25 years. I did it at the Fountain because... It's a large cast. It's a complicated piece of material. It's not something that everyone really wants to go see all the time. It was a big success. But again, that's the type of theater that I get to do. And I get to actually fulfill myself as an artist. And, you know, one of the other things about 99 Seat Theater is you also get to do new work, risky work. I like weird, dark, risky stuff. That kind of work it's does just your not. Personality. Just it is my personality. Person. <laughs> it's, it's got nothing to do with the work. Anyone who meets me thinks that lady is dark. Um, <laughs> It, that's not the kind of show that gets a slot in a theater with a you know an older subscription audience that's paying sixty, eighty, a hundred dollars a ticket. They have to make safe choices because they have to guarantee that they're going to sell out every show, and that's a perfectly legitimate way to go. But a lot of us want to do a different kind of work, a riskier kind of work, and bring in an audience that doesn't usually go to theater. And these proposals will not allow us to continue to do that. I, I think the, the the thing to remember about this whole thing is that that uh, and I think there's some some things we should throw out there to uh, to really well, kind of th- set this th- up. Let me, let me uh, set up before okay. you set it up. <laughs> okay, okay. okay. Well, you're going to set up before I set it up? Yeah, I'm going uh, I'm, I'm, I'm to okay, okay, give the assist. Okay, good. So, so it's a hockey assist. It's, I, don't, yeah, I don't speak sports. I don't know it's what a, you guys are talking about. <laughs> explain, okay, explain exactly what Prop 99 
is doing. Exactly. Break it down. Say, here's what it is. Okay. This is why. So people understand, because I understand because I, I'm on Facebook, Great. but I'm still, I'm one of those people that still, I'm on this, go, wait, is it, am I okay, so, so, so explain so it's what really, it is. It's really very, very simple. So uh, through the series of meetings and everything that they took, they decided to put forth a series of proposals. And it's now equities are based e- out of where? Equities based out of New York. So this so there is a Los Angeles Angeles branch there you know it's a national uh, is it even international it's just national it's national and then they have like a, okay. an agreement with Britain's yeah. equity yeah but so uh, it's a national uh, union um, based primarily on the East Coast there is a um, there are three proposals or there's a three-prong proposal the first is that baseline all actors working in produced shows in Los Angeles, 99 seats or under, will be paid minimum wage. They will not be paid pension and health, but they will be paid minimum wage. Uh, now, for, is rehearsal, for, rehe- okay, for so. rehearsal and for performance. Um, and that's really the biggest economic issue for these small theaters. Most of the small theaters in Los Angeles run at a deficit. Uh, no, I mean, all, I'm sorry. All the theaters in Los Angeles run at a deficit, including the Mark Taper Forum, including the Geffen. Everybody runs at a deficit. The difference is the Mark Taper Forum and the Geffen get 50% of the the available uh, don- uh, donations and grants that go to theaters in Los Angeles. The rest of the 50% is spread among another 300 and some odd theaters. Most of those theaters are, again, 99 seat and under. And most of them are actually like 49 seats or 60 seats or 72 seats. Not even, they're not that many 99 seats themselves. The economics are that if you say to us, you have to pay minimum wage for rehearsal and uh, uh, performance, you will up the amount of money being spent on the show about 1,000%. And I'm not making that up. I mean, that's like, that's the number. If you have a $30,000 budget and suddenly you have seven actors and you're going to pay them minimum wage, for all that, plus, of course, minimum wage includes on the employer's side, uh, social security payments, uh, uh, unemployment payment, FICA, all that other stuff, along with the bookkeeping that's involved in order to do that. You're going to increase their their number if on a thirty thousand budget by about fourteen thousand dollars, I think, is what it comes down to for the seven actors. So you can see the the economics suddenly go crazy, right? Right. So that's the first prong. The second prong is what's called the self-produced code, which will allow, as a SOP to us, we think it was thrown as a SOP to us, it will allow us to self-produce, just like we're doing right now, because you want to, you know, we want to collaborate with other actors, and you want to create new material, it's fine. The problem is that the self-produced code does not give us any protections uh, from the union at all. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, so the self-produced, the two, there are so, two see, I'm exceptions. Trying to I'm trying to Thank you, I appreciate it. There's yeah. two exceptions to this to the minimum wage to, to the, minimum, to to the, the minimum, minimum wage provision. So the self-producing is one and it basically says you can go ahead and produce your own show, rent a theater, do it all yourself. Except theater in Los Angeles. you can't have um, any sort of uh, business status limited LLC it can't be an status. LLC an LLP uh, 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 partnership or a nonprofit. And you can't partner with anyone who is. So you can't have any uh, legal or financial protection against the liability of producing on your own. Right, which is great if you're 20 years old and coming out of USC and you want to put on a show in your parents' backyard. It's a problem if, you, if you're me and you're 50 <coughs> something years old and you want to produce a show and you don't want to lose your house in case somebody slips on the pavement and your workman's comp doesn't cover the entire amount. Right. right? So you, you're not legally protected in any way. And you also, the self-produced project code can only be used by people who haven't produced under an equity contract in the last 12 months. So it can only be used by people with no recent experience producing theater and no protection from the risks of producing theater. So like he said, it's great for if you want to do it in your parents' backyard or if you happen to be independently wealthy and you've written your own one-person show that you want to do in one chair in an empty space and you already have a lawyer and accountant. Fantastic. But for everybody else... It's not going to help. It really, it really bespeaks to the thing that we've grown out of uh, as a community over the last fifteen to twenty years. There were a lot of the, the way that a lot of theater in Los Angeles was viewed for a long time was this kind of showcase. I'm trying to show myself off. I'll raise some money. I'll do this my own one man Hamlet or whatever the whatever the project was, and, and it got a kind of a bad rap. We've grown out of that. We are a, a a lovely, unbelievably talented group of people doing really, really difficult, interesting new work and classic works, and it's not that kind of show anymore. But this. Show showcase this part of the uh, i'm sorry not showcase this self-produced code actually throws us back to that where only people with a lot of money who are terribly interested in doing their own thing you know it's a it's a narcissistic viewpoint of how to do theater go ahead i'm sorry i just wanted to throw well, it in. so then there's the other exception to the minimum wage part which is the membership company 
code. There's a lot of, so a lot of these small theaters are membership companies. It started with one person saying, let's put on a show and you're my friends and we're going to do it together. And it went so well, let's do another one. And people started wanting to be a part of it. And so now they have members and they're all volunteers and they run everything at the theater together. So Equity has said, if you are a member of one of these companies that has existed prior to, I think it was February 6th kind of picking dates out of the air right you by april 1st can submit a list of all of your equity members and those people can keep working with you for less than the terms of the current 99 seat plan no more stipends no more basic safety or labor protections those people and no no minimum wage under the new no pay but anyone any equity member who wants to work with you after april 1st you have to pay under this new plan minimum wage for all rehearsal and performance all the safety protection. So you're essentially giving membership companies a choice between death by attrition. So we can only use the people that we have right now and we can't afford to bring in any new equity members. So slowly they're going to become entirely non-union or creating kind of two classes where, you know, I'm an equity member. He's an equity member. We're working on stage together. He's making hundreds of dollars a week. And I'm not allowed to ask for a bathroom Because I'm the new guy who just got hired. Now, the additional part of this, the kicker that, that is deeply in the, in the code, is that if that were to happen, if we were doing a show and we needed a, a Latina actress who's 65 years old and we didn't happen to have that in our membership company, so we cast outside, we find an equity actress who's a member, and she comes in and we have a cast of 10 right on this show that we're doing, this imaginary show, and she comes in, we're now going to pay her equity, we're going to pay her minimum wage, right, because that's under the new code. The kicker is that by adding her on, we also now have to cast four other equity actors because the code states that you cannot have, if there's a cast of 10, five of them must be now equity and be paid under the minimum wage rules. Wait, five must be... So the, so in an imaginary cast of 10, yeah, and we have, brought in a, and we're a membership you have, you have, company. You have 10 who are equity. Right, we, we have nine, nine members of equity in a membership company, and we're going to bring in another equity actor outside, from the, outside the membership company, and that person comes in that immediately kicks in the minimum wage requirements for her, but also kicks in the minimum requirements for four other of the actors to be paid minimum wage. So if any equity member is getting paid, half the cast or half the number of equity members in the cast have to be getting paid. So that's just, that just doesn't make sense. I mean, no, it doesn't. You think that's like, I mean, <laughs> no, when you think that was about great, it, Steve. That's exactly I our mean, point. No, but that's this doesn't make any sense. As someone from the outside, you know, and that I'm not in equity. Now, now can you use like are non-union people allowed to be in your well, place? Well, that's, that's exactly the point. Yes, non-union. So yes. basically you're giving equity, you're giving these small theaters, you're saying, here's your choice. You can either increase the amount of money you have to pay actors by 900 or 1,000 percent, or you can hire a non-union actor for free. So our argument, again, is not about, of course I want to make more money as an actor, but if you give a struggling not-for-profit arts organization that's already operating at a deficit a choice between a 900% cost increase or working with someone else for free, they're going to choose the free. So oh, yeah. this is not going to result in me so, making so, more money. It's just going to send these theaters non-union. Yeah, so the, 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 the drag of these proposals is that, and this has been stated by our leadership of our, of our union, which is they would like every city in Los Angeles, every city in the country to kind of look like either Chicago or Minneapolis. Minneapolis is a small community with 500 equity actors and I think a dozen theaters. There is plenty of work for almost everybody to do shows there. And there's also a, not a large, but a small non, non-union series of theaters that allow you to work if you're non-union. Chicago has a lot of, it's called a union town, but the predominant amount of theater that's done in Chicago is non-union, by non-union actors. There are a number of union houses, but again, they don't have 6,000 or 6,500 members in a small, in a large area. They have a smaller number of actors, and they're working either non-union or this, and never the twain shall meet. The unique, wonderful part of Los Angeles is that we have union actors who are working in both a- both avenues. They're working in small theater to do these kind of experimental pieces, or they're a membership company where they're doing whatever that membership company has decided to do, either new pieces or classic works or some combination of the other, or musical theater. And then they also get to work in the big houses when they have that opportunity, or they get to go on the road and do a show, you know, do Wicked Tour for two years, or whatever it, whatever it is. You also have to think, so we're a unique situation, and we're not being treated in a unique manner. And that's kind of one of the big problems for for most of us. We don't want our town to go non-union with the 
five Lort House. There are only five theaters here that are mid-sized theaters. Which in are the the the, the uh, Center Theater Group, the Colony. Help me, Rebecca. The Colony, the Geffen, the Geffen Pasadena, Playhouse. Pasadena Playhouse, and does La Mirada count because it's not technically it's not, LA no. County? I mean, there's a couple of yeah, there's a couple of theaters that are slightly outside the boundaries, but you know. And also those theaters in LA usually cast mostly out of New York, which is a huge source of frustration for actors right. in LA. Right. Oh, yeah. We, that's, you know, we would love help from equity in creating some incentives for the, the Lort theaters in town to use and, equity and if the, and if LA the, actors. And if the override, you know, and there's, there's, an, there's another undercurrent of this. It's not really just about minimum wage. And, it's not, and as I just said, it's about the leadership's viewpoint about how they want theater to look in, in the country, like what they want theater to look like. They want more contracts and more money for union members. They seem to be unconcerned about whether non-union stuff happens because it has nothing to do with them. The The issue here is also that there seems to be a underlying premise that by d- enacting these proposals, they will cull the herd, if you will, because we have a lot of theaters. We do more productions than Los Angeles, than New York does. We're like We do something like 1,500 productions in the course well, that, of a year. I was talking to and, her about North Hollywood. You go through, there's theaters everywhere. Right, right. And, and you know... I and think, it's been great for the neighborhood. And, you oh, ask, the, oh, ask I, oh, North Hollywood sort oh. of elected officials and they're thrilled. Oh my the God, they have are restaurants and, you know, and there's yeah. a movie theater now across North, the street from North Hollywood. I mean, you know, I moved out here 12, 13. I never went to North Hollywood. No. You know, now it's like me and you my girlfriend can't find parking. Go, oh, please. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's just, it's all, I mean, I take the subway all the time and it's safe. You know, you don't, I mean, you get the creepy people, but that's anywhere. But there's so many theaters and that's what makes it great. Right. It's a it's a unique ecosystem, and each of the areas in Los Angeles is, is like a unique ecosystem. Like the people who are living in North Hollywood and going to the fifteen or twenty theaters that are in North Hollywood are probably not going to the fifteen or twenty theaters in Venice, or in in uh, Culver City, or downtown, or in you know South Los Angeles, or in Hollywood. Everybody's got a unique small area that they're working in because we have such a huge huge area to cover we have 4,000 square miles you know that 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 house at least 300 or so theaters that are under the equity 99 seat plan so i'm sorry let me get back to the other things there seems to be this idea that if we cull the herd there'll be less theaters sure some of them will go this seems to be their thinking again we don't know because no one talks to us Clearly, how okay uh, now, now? Who is there a delegate? I mean, how does it work? Like who who informed you of this whole thing? And then oh did they God, just tell God, you and just so, disappear? So oh, a couple man. a couple things happened. There was a town hall meeting in January where Equity said we're coming to listen. We to We could your go back ideas. a couple of years though if you want to go back a couple. Now of I want to hear this because it's very interesting because it's like, as I said, it feels like it's like when, you know when I was you know in the restaurant business, you know corporate didn't know crap about how to run a restaurant, but right. I was in marketing, so they tell me, oh, well here cool. they go here you do. Uh, you know, you shouldn't give the regular free beers. Why? Because you want to get new customers. Yeah, but this regular comes here every day, so I think right. I can give them a free yeah. beer. Yeah, there's the- and they're corporate. They don't know crap. Out. They've never been right. in a restaurant. They just, they maybe they wait at well, tables one. Yeah, you know day. how we said earlier that that it's it's there's uh, it's basically East Coast based. There are eighty counselors, roughly eighty counselors. Yeah. Uh, and our representatives that we voted in, there are only 22 in the Western region. Okay. The rest are East Coast or Midwest. So you can see that already it's veered towards that. So there's a lot of corporate, if you want to call that, making decisions. About two years ago, they started coming up with this idea that they weren't happy with the 90-seat plan. Evidently, some somebody, actors or there, stage managers, made... There were. there. I, I totally admit this. There are actors... I'm one of them sometimes who says it's time to make some updates to this. It's oh, 26 yeah. years old. Me too. Let's make some updates to it. You know, so, can, so I'm going to go on with what I... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so there was a town hall where Equity came to town and said, we want to hear what changes you want to make to the 99 seat plan. And the consensus from everyone I spoke to said... And at the town hall that spoke publicly. Yes, absolutely. The consensus was we want changes to the current plan in the form of a tiered structure so that the more money a theater has, the more money the actors get paid. Because there's as this community has grown, there's a tremendous economic diversity. There are some theaters that have a lot of money, although it's tied up in various ways, and some theaters with 20 seats that have teeny teeny tiny budgets, and to apply the same compensation plan to all of them is ridiculous. Right. So we said, let's let's build some tiers into this. And everyone came away from that meeting feeling like that was really great. I feel like they really hurt us, and this is going to be great. Three weeks later. A proposal came out that said, here it is. Bam. Minimum wage across the board with these two exceptions. And everybody sort of went, uh-uh. I thought you guys, I felt hurt, and this is not what with I was a, talking about. With a about. disingenuous 
uh, cover letter saying we've been listening to what you want and here we have it. These are, and and it was it was so kind of um, a slap in the face to the people who had spent their time and energy and and effort to speak to our union to say hey this we agree. Changes need to be made to the 99-seat plan. It's been in place for a long time. There are disparities in both budgets. There are also disparities in, in styles and in efforts. We want that. We want a roadmap so that we can help theaters grow from being a small theater to really doing what you want to do as a union, what we want as a union, which is to have paid members being paid under a contract. And we want to grow lower theaters. There have been a handful of theaters that have grown out of the 99-seat plan. The East-West players that do uh, primarily... Um, uh, 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 Asian material or Asian versions of material, a noise within, which is primarily a classical rep company, which has grown out of this. The Colony Theater, which grew out of the Colony, which is a small 99 seat plan that got. Again, all these things grew out of our 99 seat plan. They also all had help from the state, the county, and and the city, either in rent or you know a, a space the colony was basically given a space in the new burbank mall like here here's a theater enjoy you know so we need help we need help from equity to grow our theaters to become this very thing that you guys want us to be which is a thriving paid group of actors but we can't do it under the proposals that are being presented another thing another thing that's grown out of what the plan has been in the last few decades is a tremendous number of shows that have moved on from 99 seat theater to paid equity contracts we've got a list of more than 80 shows that started in 99 seat theater and got picked up and a lot of the actors went with it and got paid so you know it's it's great to say we've made a rule and now you have to be paid and so you're all now magically going to be paid but in fact if these shows couldn't have afforded to be produced in 99-seat theater, we would have lost hundreds of paid equity jobs because the material never would have been developed and moved on. So a lot of what we're saying is, this is an incubator, this is a creative incubator for new actors, for new work, and for new audience that the American theater nationally desperately needs. And to cut it off and to cut union actors out of that incredibly yeah, just, vibrant yeah. community makes no sense. I mean, think of the well, actors so that came me, out of it. Go ahead. For me, as someone from the outside city, mm. you know, from Philly. I, I look, yeah, from Philly. You know, I, I we got uh, DeMarco Murray. <laughs> Jersey. Right Jersey. Where are you we're at? Freehold. I grew up in Cherry Hill. Oh, nice. Bruce Springsteen's from Freehold. Oh, yeah, he is. See? Um, not <laughs> like Bruce Springsteen. Park. Not Ezra Park. Of course, you know, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, but we know that. My my feeling is this, and it's just something from that I, I don't understand. You have something called equity, and it's supposed to look after, so you actors create. You, that's what that's what any union wants. I mean, you truly have you know they want you mm-hmm. to create. Now, what I'm getting is what I don't understand is this equity is making steps that can say no, no, you can't create anymore. It's like it's like it'd be like minor league baseball saying, hey, you know what? Okay, you know what? You guys, you not you get this paid. Well, you know what? No, you 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 can't play in these small parks because you know we need this. And that's what I understand. It's because I've always thought you know the reason people are in acting or comedy or radio or whatever is to give a con- we're we're content givers, good content, and to entertain people. And that's what it's about. Well, that's what throws me off about this whole equity thing is why would they want to get as you said you know you, these some of these shows went from small theaters to big theaters. Every show, I'm sure Rent didn't start off on Broadway. Rent started off small. And look, it's made millions and employed tons of people. And that's what I understand as someone who's an equity is supposed to look after you. Like, you know, the, the Teamsters, man, they, they wouldn't take this shit. You know, if someone messed with their people or if they tried, they'd be like, right. no. But it seems but, like but, they don't yeah, have your so, back, It's a weird, look, it's a weird thing. Off. It's a weird thing where every time that there's a union involved in an artistic effort, you're always struggling with the idea of what labor is and what artistic uh, a vision is. That's always going to be a problem for any, it's a problem for SAG, it's a problem for the Writers Guild, it's a problem for Musicians Guild, but other guilds handle this differently. Mm-hmm. You, the Musicians Guild doesn't stop a, a, a guitar player from going down to the bar and jamming, or for that matter, even playing any number of gigs where he's actually being paid, you know, a piece of the box office when they walk in at the Mint. If he's working on a union contract at a sound stage or in a recording studio, that's an entirely different thing, and they totally take care of that. But they don't stop him or her, sorry, for, from creating from creating something, uh, and 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 pursuing that. They don't clamp down on them. The same thing with. Um, uh, the same thing. I'm trying to think what I was going to say. I've lost my mind. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, you know, SAG-AFTRA has worked really hard in recent years to bring web content in, recognizing that there's 
an incredible talent pool and content pool being created on the web and they realized they needed to create innovative low budget contracts that allowed people union members to work to on these projects so they could get in on the ground floor and move them into bigger union contracts later. They've done a great job with that. And we've been saying, talk to them about how to do it. It's totally possible. Well, There's this is deferred g- pay options. Oh my God, There's this lots is, and of this ways is, to do yeah, it. Yeah, this is absolutely part of the problem that we also have as, as the 99, uh, the group of 99, is that one of the, one of the things that we're, we're so amazed at and so kind of confused about is that you had a town hall meeting where you heard the, the actors' voices. You did these polls, but at no time did you sit down with other unions or other guilds or other other parties that are affected by this plan and talk about what might be the best proposals to put forth to do the very thing that you wanted to do, i.e., they didn't talk to the stage director's choreographer's union. They didn't talk to the United Scenic Artists Union. They didn't talk to other unions like SAG or AFTRA. They didn't talk to uh, musicians' guilds or producers' guilds or anybody else who might be involved in this, including theaters here in Los Angeles who have a stake in this or the community members like, uh, you know, council members from, from you know, Hollywood or uh, the woman who spoke with, with us who's uh, like the North Hollywood Arts Council district person. Like, they didn't talk to anybody talking about, well, hey, what's a good, you don't have to negotiate with these people, but you getting their input would have helped you craft a series of proposals that would have done exactly what you want to do because at the last meeting that we had, People got up and were able to ask questions of our leadership. Mary McCall, who's the head of our our union, the the executive Executive director director of our union, was on stage and taking questions. Somebody got up and asked, hey, so do you have any data or information that that will assure us as actors that this plan that you're putting forth will in fact do the very thing that you say it will do, create more contracts and more money for actors here in Los Angeles? It's a long beat. And then she leaned into the microphone and said, well, we don't know that it won't work. So the, the big problem for us, and that's where they lost me, by the way. I was like on the fence. No, honestly. <laughs> were I was you on, really? Yeah, I was on the fence. I was now, there why, why, Okay, why were you on the fence? Explain that. Because I do think that there have to be changes to the 99-seat uh, plan as it stands now. I think that there's inequity in any number of areas. I think there are, uh, there are limitations that make no sense. They've tied the, uh, my personal opinion is they've tied the 99C plan to 99 seats, which makes no sense. They've tied it to, uh, they've capped the amount of money you can charge for a seat. And that number is the same number it was 30 years ago. So, you know, ticket prices have risen. Uh, there's now Gold Star. There's all these other things that have happened. There's the internet. Oh my God, there's the internet. You know, there's things that have happened that, that require tweaking. I, I'm not that smart. I'm well-spoken. So I'm willing to think that smart people sat down and put out a proposal that they had thought it through. They'd gotten some impact studies. They'd looked at data. They'd gotten all the information they could, and they tried to craft proposals that would be well thought out. And even though I may not have understood them when they were presented to me, I could have go like, well, I don't quite understand this, but I, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to believe my union is trying to do the best for me. When I had a series of meetings with my counselors, my West Coast counselors, and which I asked pointed questions in which I got talking points back from. And then when I went to the meeting and when I heard Ms. McCall say that she didn't know whether it would work, it, it, I, they lost me. Because, because any business, if you're going to sit there and say, we want to monetize art, we want to have a market reset, if you're going to use these kind of terms in order to say, we are a union and we're going to try and do things that will help us grow then you better have the information to back up your claims. Right. And all they're doing right now is kind of going, well, we think this might work. And if we call the herd, then other, this is what they're saying. If we call the herd, then we will have other theaters that are left be stronger and new Lort theaters will spring up medium-sized houses, uh, League of Resident Theaters. Houses will spring up in the, in the, uh, in the aftermath. But they don't have any information that that will actually happen. And from my personal experience, the money that's spent on theaters, I'm talking too much, Rebecca, I'll finish this up and you, I'll just throw it to you. Okay, thanks. Um, uh, donors and grants which go to theaters, which is the money that we're talking about besides ticket sales. Donors are personal, are personal relationships that they have between an artistic director, a member of the board, and, and the donor. If that theater goes away, that donor doesn't turn to the theater next door and say, here, why don't you take my money because right. they don't have it. It just goes away. Grants are written for specific programs for a specific theater. If that theater goes away, that grant goes away until another theater comes up, and there may not be another theater that offers the same thing. So the idea that this money is going to suddenly flow to other theaters, those theaters will become stronger and become more theaters, is crap. I'm sorry. You're, you're, not at all. Um, one of the things that, that 
I and I think a lot of people have been really frustrated by. And again, it's that corporate doesn't know how to run a restaurant thing. <laughs> Equity keeps saying these producers, these greedy producers have so much money and they don't make paying actors enough of a priority. I'm sorry for doing the silly voice. I shouldn't, I liked it. I shouldn't do that. It was good. It was, but, uh, but people just say, oh, you missed. She, uh, she had her hands on her side. She was like, it was like, <laughs> it was, it was, it was like the, in network. It's like, I'm not going to take you know, it anymore. I'm an actor. That's, like, I'm an actor. Finch. that's how I do it. But, but that's a, it's a very New York model. It's a very New York way of thinking. And we're all sitting here going, we're the producers. You're telling us to pay ourselves 900% more. And we're telling you as both the payer and the payee, we don't have the money. And, you know, they've been doing a lot of holding up tax forms and saying, look at how much this theater has. Look at this budget. And the numbers can look pretty big until you realize anybody who's ever balanced a budget knows that the income doesn't mean anything without expenses. These theaters are paying a lot of rent, five figures and more monthly in rent, and utilities, the cost, none of them are making a profit. The biggest number that they use, the, the one that you use all the time is uh, Boston Court, right? Mm-hmm. That's the biggest, which has a, has about a million dollars in income every year, right? Which seems like, oh my God, except that 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 money goes to not just rent, but also programs that are not theater programs. That goes to dance, classical and jazz music, a community outreach, teaching. A small percentage of it goes to the theater production. We don't, you know, and you'd have to go through the numbers to really get what it is. But even then, they're still running in the red. And those community outreach programs, another thing that keeps getting conflated when we talk about minimum wage, because it puts it into a very commercial, big business context. These are not-for-profit, non-commercial theater organizations. They're 501c3. They're meant to be run on a volunteer basis. So... These community programs, outreach and teaching and all these things, are a requirement of them maintaining that tax status. And... All of those programs have to be paid for out of that budget. And a lot, the Actors Gang, Tim Robbins has been very vocal in this, which has been great. Actors Gang pays their members who work in those programs. So they are paying more than a minimum wage. They're just... Theater West has a, a children's program that they that they do. So they have their 99-seat plan. They do others. So there's a great show there going on right, right by Jim Beaver right now. He was just uh, on a few weeks ago. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. actually going to go see. Should, it's a, well, one, it's, it's oh, great. It's and uh, so, so, but they have a program. They have a, a children's theater program, which provides equity contracts for their members. So they, you know, so there are, they're not doing a good job of, I guess the best way of putting this is there's, they have a 19th century viewpoint about theater, and we're living in the 21st century. Let me ask you something, uh, just because I'm wondering. Like the show I was at, I said I went to the one in North Hollywood, I forget, it was my friend's uh, one-man show, and there was two people who were working behind the counter. Now, I, I'm guessing they were volunteering their mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Now, under the new program, would they have to get paid? That's an excellent question Great that we question. don't have an answer to. You don't? No, because they're, because because <laughs> I'm going to say something that's not. We th- part of this feels like smokescreen, because so far over the last thirty years, there have been no, as to our knowledge, there have been no labor actions against small theater in Los Angeles. The labor board has not come down and said, "Hey, why are you not paying people? These guys are employees; they're not volunteers." Nobody has come forth from the community suing one of the, the companies, suing one of the small theaters saying, I've been treated poorly and I'm demanding my back wages. It's not like the uh, the interns I was going to say, do you it think... It is not like that because those were interns who brought a suit themselves because they felt exploited and they were suing multi-billion dollar media corporations. That is not the case here. And because if they hadn't done the work for free, someone else would have gotten paid to do it. Right. That's not... That's not the case. No, here. It, it, there's nobody here that's there's nobody that's taking somebody else's job. I.e., if I'm working as an actor, or not working. If I'm donating my time as an actor to a small theater, I'm not taking away a paying job for another actor at that small theater because no other actor is getting paid at that theater. Everybody's donating their time, so I'm not taking anything away. The big question is, Equity can only take care of their union members. I understand that, but their desire to promote this idea of minimum wage for their actors in a nonprofit situation where people are volunteering feels to me like it's a slippery slope and suddenly if this goes through you're going to see a lot of people going well I'm working in the box office and I'm supposedly a volunteer but I don't think I should be volunteering because there are people who get paid for box office so I should be paid also so if you're really talking about what could happen in terms of this I I, I mean I'm not a lawyer I'm not a labor lawyer I know that we have people that we're talking about I I think it's a bad well, idea. I think, I think also, though, um, from hearing these points, is I think if this inaction goes in, it's going to take away from the end production because if you have to start paying people to rehearse, well, before where you guys may just sit there and say, we can't get this right, we can't get this right, 
you may be rehearsing for 10 hours. It just It's like anything. You know, if you sit there and write something with a friend until you get to that point. Well, all of a sudden now, if you're rehearsing for 10 hours and they're going, well, no, 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 stop. You can reverse for two hours. And then what's going to happen is the play's not going to be good. Yep. Even though there's good actors and it makes a, an actor look bad. And they're then people already, are, yeah, are going to come yeah. and they're going to say, this sucks. Right. There's uh, already, the quality work, but there's already things in place right now. I think you have 33 hours you can rehearse. Under the under the There's, 99 seat. The current 99 seat plan has, these are the basic labor protections I was talking about before. So every six hours, you have to give the actors time to eat. You can only work for a certain amount of time before we get a five or a ten minute break. There has to be potable water in the dressing room. You know, There's just a six foot cot to lay down. Basic, easy <laughs> things. I've, I've heard rumors about the equity cot. I've never actually seen I've it. I've had no, it. No, 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 there, there's actually... A, there's a room. Yeah, you have to have an equity cut. But the, you know, God, you guys have it. When I did stand up comedy, we didn't get crap. There was no you. We didn't. You're get non-union. Anything. So cushy. Yeah, I know. But we we didn't get it. We our green room yeah, was sir, like. Have you, you believe me, the cut is like an army cut. I know. Trust me. But to, you know what they're saying with these two exceptions, the self production and the membership company, is that we don't even get dues paying union members don't even get that anymore. No. And it's a. It, you know, I've been in this union for 16 years, paying my dues every month, and I'm sort of like, yeah, I'm sorry, you you want me to, what is the point again? Yeah. But but one of the things that we've started to hear pretty recently is, well, if you want to do this kind of work, you should just leave the union. And I, I cannot get over how short-sighted that is, because I want to say to them, if you tell working actors to leave the union, you are incentivizing theaters to hire non-union actors because they don't have to go union to work with good actors. Look, there's it's a, it's oh so God. short-sighted and counterproductive. There's a ma- there, and there's a macroeconomic it. issue here, right? Because we've had the, the uh, unions have been under attack for 30, 40 years now in this country. And, and, and performing unions and private, and I'm sorry, public sector unions are really the only still really strong, vibrant unions around. So the Teamsters and people like that, right? The, the, the issue here is that we should not be trying to get people out of the union we should be trying to get everybody into the right union. so now how how would a young actor get into the union for these plays if it's i mean they can you can hire non-union player players in a, in a union thing so there's an opportunity so it's not you're not a closed circuit no. you're bringing talent in which was which and, was you and want. in fact one of the one of the proposals that somebody uh, wrote about was like hey you know one of the other things that we could be doing is if you know uh, to increase dues membership and, and make our union stronger is like let's have a points program in the 99 seat plan you know let's have a points program where if you work in a 9 seat plan under certain budgets or over certain budgets you get points towards your card so that you can include people that they'll have an incentive they'll be incentivized mm-hmm. thank you that's such a good word oh, incentivize you're very welcome uh to to get into these small theaters to work in these small theaters as opposed to going to omaha and doing two weeks in a, a Stock. And instead, what you have are a lot of actors watching this whole thing, non-union actors, who equity isn't particularly interested in listening to because they're not union members, but they're saying, you know, I'm eligible to join the union, and I'm not going to, because right. I can see that it's going to limit my opportunity to do the work. And when that starts happening, it's counterproductive to the union. It hurts the union. And so it blows my mind when people say to us, which has been happening, you guys are anti-union because you dare to right. disagree with this proposal. I'm a union member. I'm pro-union. I want good actors to join the union. And this proposal is making good actors not want to join the union. And, and you know what I've noticed too is, and I've seen on Facebook, there are so many talented actors who are, is it your, is it the term pro or, I mean, you're, uh, what, what's your term when We're you put We're pro 99. Yeah, okay. There's a lot of great actors who are pro 99. Okay. Yeah. And what's funny is, most unions would think, well, these actors are saying, now nah, we're, we're still going to do this for volunteering. So... That doesn't happen usually. It's usually like right around. Like, you know, you sit there and go, we need these. You guys are saying, hey, you know what? We just, we want to do this theater. And that makes no sense from a, a union standpoint to sit there and go, wait a second. It's not people uprising saying, give us more money. We're saying, no, we just want theater to survive, right. which makes no sense in the long run if you love something and if you're equity. Now, are the people who run equity, are they actors or who are they? I mean, it's a, it's a combination. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you're you're saying it right. Okay, it's a combination. It's a uh, there is an executive director who's a hired position, and this is weird because it's a non-union. It's a it's a it's a non-profit. There's there's so there's a mix of not there's a mix of volunteers and paid mem- paid people. So there's an executive director and some other staff members who are all paid. There's also actors who volunteer their time to be the president, uh, vice president, uh, counselors, which is our representatives, and uh, so there's a mix of those two things, and. And so it's a little weird that we uh, look. I get look the the. It's so easy 
this is a nuanced conversation. It is so easy to take up arms and say, I want to be paid and minimum wage should be the minimum I should be paid. That seems like a, a reasonable thing. And there's also uh, the rebuttal to us is like, why are you fighting to not be paid? As not. if these were actually the, the issues. And they're not the issues. They're, it, it's, it's, and, and the other part of it is I'm a professional. I should be paid as a professional. So the rebuttal is I'm a professional by my attitude, my ability to do my work well, to uh, the, 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 the skill and, and level of uh, ability that I bring to any position that I bring. That makes me a professional, not whether I'm paid and what amount of money I'm paid. And certainly minimum wage is not going to qualify for the kind of work that I do. Right. Right. On the other hand, I think we should be paid. I think we should try and get paid. I think we should try and make these. But I'm also aware of the arenas that I work in. If I'm working at CTG or La Mirada or Thousand Oaks or the Geffen, I understand that that is a paid position that I'm going to work under an equity contract. If I'm going into a 99 seat or under theater, I'm very well aware that I'm donating my time in the pursuit of an artistic thing that I want to do. And no one's twisting my arm to make me do this. And the interesting... It comes down to when I did stand-up comedy. When I was on the road... We got paid. When we came back into Philadelphia, we go to the open mic. Why? We didn't expect we went to the, we would expect to get a little more time than other acts because right, sure. we were paid acts, but we were going to hone our act and we loved it. And that's the thing. It's like when you went on the road, you got paid. When you did an open mic, you didn't get paid. Right. And that's the that's the way why people do And both art. those things can exist. Both those things oh, can exist has without, without having any detriment to anybody else. And what I want to say to people when people say, you're making it harder for me to get paid, is I want to say, I'm not showing up at the auditions for the paid stuff because I'm happy working over here on a volunteer basis. And believe me, you don't want me showing up at the auditions for the paid stuff because I will book it. There is less competition <laughs> for the paid work in Los Angeles because those of us who want to work in these 99-seat theaters are allowed to. And if you eliminate that pool of work, you're you're going to increase competition for the paid work and people will make less. It doesn't, it, you know, it's I had a, just I had a, logical. There's a, young, there's a young woman who, I, who I've worked with a couple of times and she's a wonderful, wonderful actress. And she's very much in favor of the proposals. She is a direct beneficiary for a show that she did that was developed in the 99C program and that moved to a contract house. I'm not going to name names or, or theaters. Um, so she's a direct beneficiary and yet she's pro these proposals. I said, why? She goes, because I should get paid. I said, yeah, you should get paid, but no one twisted your arm to go audition for that small show. And what a great benefit that you got to then make a contract to make your P&H. You did you get paid, you, as you, a matter you, of fact. You, did, you end up getting paid, and you got your stipend. I said, and, and the amount of money you're going to make as a minimum wage performer for one of these theaters, in terms of how many weeks, look, because no one's going to work 35 hours a week. They're going to, you know, most, you're going to work around people's schedules again. You're going to work 20 hours, you know, like 18 hours in a week. You're going to get paid your 10 bucks. So you're going to make 180 gross, and minus that, you're going to make 115, 120 bucks, right? The stipend is going to pay you almost the same amount when, once you're in performance. So you're only talking about the rehearsal period. And the rehearsal period, it's not enough. And she said, well, it'll help me with some utility bills. I said, I, I can't argue with that. But the amount of opportunity that you will have to make that minimum wage will be decreased by a thousandfold. And incidentally, Boston Court, the theater we brought up that has that big budget that keeps getting held up as mm-hmm. the example, already voluntarily pays significantly more than the current 99-seat plan requires. Right. They pay... Uh, uh, Rehearsal stipend of several hundred dollars. The 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 performance stipend is significantly more I than it's required. It is, but it's it's twenty five dollars. I mean, I believe the perform. It's twenty five dollars a performance, four hundred dollar rehearsal stipend. So we're saying let's formalize that. If a theater can afford to pay that, let's put it in writing so that every theater on that level, as many of them as there are, have to do and it. Let's look That's at, the tier system again, we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, let's look at, let's look at it. This as as you know, if you've got a million dollar income and you've got this and you can spend this amount of money, then slightly adjust your budget to say I may not have the best Fresnels that I wanted. I'm going to lose two or three rentals and I'm going to put that money towards actors. space. But don't get rid of the theater in order to pay the actor. Right. To, to, to create a one-size-fits-all solution and say everybody. So because Boston Court can do that, everybody, everybody had this 20-seat theater, you know, squeezed between two drugstores right. in West Hollywood has to do that makes no sense. Well, now, is the vote, uh, when it comes to the LA 99, mm-hmm. is it just for Actors in LA, or is everyone everyone in actors equity and voting? stage man? Equity represents actors and stage managers. But everyone is it just it's just in LA, or is it a, a, across the whole country? There's a non-binding. What we're what we're arguing about is that there's a non-binding vote that will take place among LA 
members, LA living in the county of Los Angeles. There's supposedly 6,500 of us. It's happening now. And it's happening right now. The referendum has gone out. There are ballots that have been mailed. I've gotten mine. You've gotten yours. You, you can sign online as well. And you can vote against or for this proposal. Only LA. Once that is tabulated, there are four days between the time that it's finished tabulating and when the counselors, the national counselors, and again, remember, this is skewed. Who volunteer for those positions. Who volunteer for those positions. Oh, man, it's rough. The, uh, those volunteer counselors who work for a nonprofit, that's so weird. Shouldn't they be being, being paid minimum wage? Um, those volunteers, counselors, will then all vote on in a binding referendum. So we don't even have really any real power other than to voice ourselves saying, hey, we think this is a bad... And hopefully... You guys are like the Electoral College. Right. Now, I will... Oh, my God. It's totally like... I will say... And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be devil's advocate here. So sure. the, this this voting process is all spelled out in the settlement agreement, which came out of the lawsuit in the 80s. Right. So equity isn't to blame for the fact that this is a non-binding vote. Right. That's in the settlement agreement. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. But what what we've been asking on Twitter and in email and in all kinds of places is asking the counselors, if we vote no by a majority, if the members vote no, will you honor that? Will you vote this thing down? And it's been difficult to get people to commit to doing that. And the, twi- and so- right, the twist is, of course, also the counselors were responsible for crafting the proposals. So they have to vote against their own proposals that they crafted. So you guys are all going to vote no. Yes. Yes. We're, okay. Now, and I, we're encouraging I, everybody who's listening to this. To I, vote I, no. I saw a big. Uh, I saw in the news the big rally in North Hollywood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big. A lot of people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for a rally. I mean, it's hard enough to get somewhere people. between three hundred and four hundred people. People don't come yeah, out for crap people, in L.A. You can't I, get people to commit to lunch. No, I know exactly. The people at a rally. So now, how how, the theater. Yeah. how is the vibe in the acting community? Uh, I mean, are a lot of people? I mean, if you if you look at it and say. You know, is, is it like is it like a Mondale against? Uh, there's what he there's no question, and there's been some press coming out and saying, "Look, the the overwhelming sense in the public is that people are against this thing." I absolutely acknowledge that there are some people who are for it, but overwhelmingly, and especially among people who actually work in ninety nine seat theater, uh, the. The sentiment yeah, the, the is The membership no. companies, the people who are actually... Are in, and this is the other part of it, is, is that you were talking about management. The people who work and perform and create 99-seat theater are really the people that this is affecting. And there's a lot of people who don't really do it. They don't want to bother with it. They, they're, they're doing 3D theatricals. They're doing, you know, La Jolla, whatever. We should be able to determine our own future in terms of what kind of work that we want to do. And as far as whether people are on our side or on, uh, against us, I don't know for sure. We've been told over and over again, there's a silent majority that really disagrees with you. It's but very we haven't Nixonian. seen it. It's very Nixonian. But we haven't seen it. In, and occasionally someone will pop up and they're kind of like, they don't make good points and then they kind of go away. So now if this passes, what do you think will happen to the theaters? I mean, oh, and realistically, man. do you think a lot of these small theaters, a lot will close? Yep. Or I mean, because they just can't make it? Two things will happen. A lot will close. The ones that remain, a lot that are remaining, will go non-union. Yeah, and then the few that are allowed that are still doing it will start doing shows that have very small casts, the three pimp, three members, two or three members, and they'll they'll do a mix of equity and non-equity actors, and the quality and scope of the work that we're doing in Los Angeles will die. See, that just makes me sad because I know from the comedy background, I don't do stand up much more, but uh, I know they do something in the comedy world called bringer shows, where the producers produce a show and they tell a comic give to bring five people. Mm. Well, I, I, don't, I don't do that because I'm not going to bring people, and I'm not going to bring my friends to see a show where six comics who suck who can bring people are on it, mm-hmm. and it's just watered down. That's why the, I, I think, the, personally, a lot of me and a lot of my friends who are national TV credits who've been around forever, the comedy scene's just, it's watered down now, and it, it makes it hard. It, it affects more than the comics. It affects the people, and it affects the whole art, and that's what sucks. I mean, it's for, it's like... It's good to go to be able to see a theater and like me and I can go to Gold Star and get tickets to uh, Jim Beaver's play. And right. Like offering to see a guy who's a TV star for 10 bucks. Right. We can do that. And that's great. And I think that's what the people want. I mean, because I don't want to pay, you know, I don't want to. I, I went to see Wicked. I didn't like it. But I, I, I got my tickets on Gold Star. But but I, I'd rather go see something for 10 bucks and something for mm-hmm. 60 yeah. bucks. And it's that's what sucks because it, it hurts. It hurts the people who want to see good entertainment, and we need to be entertained now, and that's what bothers me. And it's, my, and it's these people who, it seems they don't even give a crap, and I, I'm saying this from the outside, it's like, 
they, as my mom and dad would say, just keep your butt your nose out of it. And that's what they need to do. And again, when we say vote no, we're saying vote no to this proposal. We can do better. We're not saying vote no against change at all. Or against our just, union. Or against our union. It's that this is the wrong way and we can do better and we want a chance to do better by working with the union. You have a lot of it, but you have a lot of people who are on your side. I mean, I know Frances Fisher, I saw her in the news. Mm-hmm. I know Alex Fernandez is very on your side. Mm-hmm. Jim Beaver. Uh, uh, Jeff, Jeff Perry, who founded Steppenwolf. Uh, I go down. The, I could go down the list, but it, Al Pacino. Al Pacino. For God's for God's Ed Harris sakes. did a great Ed, thing on the View. Ed Harris, who came out of the '99 seat plan, met you know, his wife uh, in '99. Uh, Mark, uh, Mark, the Hulk in the Avengers. Mark, Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo, who was just doing a '99 seat theater out here for Helen years. Mirren. Helen Mirren gave us a statement in support Dame from Helen Broadway. Mirren. Dame Helen Mirren. So I don't. I don't get. I think you think they would just disappear with this. I mean, well, I, they can't. They're, can't. They're, 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 they're committed. They have to go through the process because of the settlement agreement and the and the legal hoops that they have to jump through. Whether they are doing what was intended from that or whether they're simply following the letter of the law is also an issue. Because, you, you know, the intent of the law is different than what the letter of the law is. And our opinion is that they've, they've dotted all their I's and they've crossed all their T's, but they haven't really looked at the underlying issues. And, and that's really sad. And disappointing for me as a union member. And I think at this point, honestly, they're mad because they yeah. didn't expect yeah. this kind of response. When will you find the results? Is there a time? What's yes. the timeline? April. The council vote is April 21st. We don't know if or when we will be told the results of the advisory referendum, and we don't know when we will learn the results of the council vote. Uh, we're hoping it'll be quickly. Well, they have to do it in public, so we know that they have to actually, it can't be in an executive session. They have to actually do it in public. They have to actually vote. The council vote? Yeah, the council vote has to be. Yeah, so it's, it has to be a public vote. Of, and how long recorded? Think, and recorded. How long will it start taking effect then? No one knows. There's a lot of. This is the other part is that there's a lot. Of, there's been a lot of uh, dissemination from their side saying, "Hey, vote yes for change." I, but but the truth of the matter is is that we're voting no in order to get change, and we don't know a lot of this because they keep saying, "No, no, we're going to make amendments to this. We're going to change it. We are listening to you. We're going to change the the proposals because we've heard what you had to say." But there's no assurance of that. And intent isn't in a piece of paper. If you're going to buy a house, and the person that you're buying the house for says the roof's bad, but I'll fix it before you sign. But go ahead and buy the house, and then once you bought the house, then I'll fix the. You know, you get a piece of paper that says, I intend to sign the house before right. I buy the, before the purchase is complete. They're asking us to go, yeah, sure, no, we know, we trust you, you'll change things. They've reassured us that it won't be implemented all at once, that it'll be gradual, you can finish out your season, all kinds of assurances. It's not making people feel very assured. And there's no piece of paper that says that. Well, I want to thank you guys for coming on. This is interesting. Now, now can, can you, uh, can people ask questions? Where can people ask questions? There's a website, ilove99.org. ILOVE99.org, where they can learn all kinds of information, see alternate proposals, see statements from all the people who, who are voting no. There's a, there's another website, 99tohat.org, which is being run by a guy named Jeff Marlowe, who's proposing some very specific tiered plans. Um, and, uh, you know. Follow you. us on Twitter Follow at 99CTLA. <laughs> I think there's Facebook pages. There's and people, <laughs> if, if, if you're not equity, but if you're an actor and you're interested, just if you know someone who's equity, talk to them about this. Exactly. Because, I mean, you know, the non union people, you know, if you aren't, there's a way to get into union. And if you, you know, want to sit there and you're not going to get noticed as much if you get in, if it all goes non union and you may shine above the non union, but. It's still not, and I'm not saying it's nothing against non-union, but I'm saying it's a different, you know, it's, it's just a different town base. I mean, when you can get when you get a chance, just think what a mentor you could have working with someone like Larry or Jim Beaver, where you, you know, you're, Rebecca Metz. you're you can you can sit. What's it? Rebecca Metz. Me, also me. And, yeah. I never. Yeah, I don't Metz. And uh, no, I'm but quite good. You should have me back. I, I, she's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> okay, no, she's wonderful. All right, well, I want to thank you guys for coming on. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much. And, uh, and people, should look into this. And if you're an actor, listen. And if you're on the fence, listen to these guys because I live in the websites. And I I like I like I like paying ten dollars or twelve dollars to see a really good show and i don't want to sit there and sit there and go oh god we'll have to go now i have to go to buffalo wildlands <laughs> uh, that's not something i want don't to do don't do that don't. exactly now uh, you personally you guys are either you personally on twitter yeah no? okay give your twitter handle. at the rebecca metz at the Re- okay and you tweet a lot i tweet yes i tweet okay, a lot good. and at Larry Poindexter. Okay, you don't tweet that much. Though. I tweet a lot. Okay, I'm well, on, you I, probably tweet more than I do. I, I'm trying to get I, better about it. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I tweet so much that it's boring now. Okay, it's like what? I'm, I'm boring. Well, follow him on Twitter. Also, follow me on Twitter uh, <laughs> at Cooper Talk. I tweet jokes all the time. He also, does. He's funny. I tweet like, yeah. yeah. And go to my website, uh, CooperTalk.net. I have over 350 episodes up, or uh, iTunes or Stitcher. Type in one word, Cooper Talk. You can check that out. Send me an email, Cooper at coopertalk.net. You got to do that. I'm an advertising whore. I plug all my it's stuff. Fantastic. And uh, I got to tell you, though, my, my big thing I want you to go 
is go to my new website, StopTheSalt.com. And StopTheSalt.com is my low-sodium cookbook. As you know, a few years ago when I got out of the hospital, I had to change my life drastically. And I worked in restaurants. <laughs> and you always eat crappy at restaurants. I mean, because everything's filled with sodium. And I had congestive heart failure. And the problem with that is fluids build up. So I had to change my... Uh, my diet. I, mean, I had cooking, a cooking background, but if you don't know how to cook and you want to change your diet, you want to eat healthy, buy this cookbook. It's stopthesalt.com. It's $9.99 plus $3.99 shipping on my website. I'll sign up for you. Or go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble. You can get it there. I don't make as much money, but you can probably get free shipping. <laughs> and it's all basic recipe. There's no pictures. You know, cause guys, you get, it's a lot for guys because you get intimidated. You see a picture. I don't have 87 different spices. <laughs> I have the basic stuff you have. Just look through it. I have basic funny anecdotes up front that I took from Wikipedia and different stuff and and just it's a recipe there's 120 recipes there's sandwiches there's dinners there's all that stuff so buy that it'll make me happy and follow both these people at the Rebecca Metz on Twitter at Larry Poindexter on Twitter tweet him and say the Cowboys suck and we'll oh, all be happy man. about that I'm just joking follow yeah, me the Eagles have made some good talk. choices I know I don't okay, want to talk about anyway people thank you for listening go uh, inform your friends about the uh, 99 seat because you want to keep going especially if you live in LA because it's good entertainment so remember I'm Steve Cooper I'm only as hip as my guests don't forget drink your water eat your vegetables take your vitamins and that's about it you guys have a good weekend and I'll talk to you next Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday bye